0: You're about to hear my conversation with Justin Ferriman. In this one, we talked about his exit from a major WordPress plugin business into figuring out what's next. Let's get into it. Hey, here's my real-time-ish update for you, and I'm recording this one on May 6th, 2024. First, I just want to say that once and for all, The name of this podcast, I'm sticking with the name Open Threads. (laughs) You may have noticed I had briefly renamed it there uh, in early 2024. I was using the name Full Stack Founder. Well, long story short, I'm sunsetting that brand name and that website. It was a short-lived project that just didn't quite stick. So this podcast is back to its original name, Open Threads, from here on out. Okay, so uh, my... So as for my update, uh, you know my main focus now continues to be instrumental products. That is my product studio where I partner with clients mainly on UI and UX work, and uh, I specialize in designing modern interfaces for SaaS companies. And I deliver my designs in the form of coded HTML and Tailwind CSS templates and components. So that's the uh, the main. Um, service that I've been working with a couple of clients lately on, and uh, it's something that I continue to uh, to really double down on the rest of this year. Other than that, I'm spending the rest of my time building out some new software products of my own to uh, to add to my small portfolio. My main SaaS product, ClarityFlow, continues to run smoothly uh, with my small team, and we're always working on some imp- improvements there. So that's my update for now. On to the show. So I'm about to roll my conversation with Justin Ferriman. We recorded this conversation on November 10th, 2023, and we talked all about Justin's building up and then selling of LearnDash, a major WordPress plugin in learning management systems. And then we got into what Justin was thinking about next in terms of his next act after uh, the sale of his uh, WordPress business. It's a good one. Enjoy. Justin Ferriman, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Brian. I know we were talking earlier that we feel like we've met each other in person, but we couldn't figure (laughs) out where that where and when that was. You know, I think most of my conversations on
0: this podcast start with exactly that. It's you know, I I I love to like invite people who uh, I'm sort of like friendly with on on Twitter and and whatnot. And just mm-hmm. folks who I just think are doing really interesting things and especially going through interesting transitions. And this podcast is basically my excuse to, uh, to meet in person. So,
1: no, I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, Justin, you, you, you know, a lot of folks know you uh, as the founder of Learn Dash, uh, which you've exited a little while back. Um, so, I want to yep. hear some of that story, but I'm also really, really interested to hear more about the transitions that happened sort of like before and after that exit i know there was a, like another sas product in there and then most recently your your coaching and i mean i'm super yeah. interested in like really like all of those things like i'm i'm running a sas right now i'm, I'm actually uh, this isn't super public maybe by the time this goes live but i'm actually starting to craft my own coaching service as well oh. like a, a like a side coaching offer pretty soon yeah. um, and of course my sas is for for coaches too but Anyway, why don't we kind of step back and before we go back into your story, how do you describe what you're doing today?
1: Today I work with founders of let's call them remote businesses. It can be software or selling digital products. Um, everybody's I have people from startups like pre-revenue to seven figures, multiple seven figures, and I coach these founders on, you know, completing their their goals and their tasks and challenges ahead of them. Uh, a lot of conversations and strategies around marketing and brand positioning, because that's somewhat of my forte, but everything in between from personnel management to um, eventual exits, which I have the experience with now, and I'm really being that sounding board. I found as a founder that I didn't really have as many people to kind of bounce ideas off of. I had a few in a trusted network, and that can be really valuable because everybody's used to reporting to us as a founder like who do we Mm -hmm. report to who do we go to for ideas or inspiration or just gut checks yeah 100 percent. i've only actually just
0: recently started working with a coach um, a couple months back and like for for many years i've had like mastermind groups and Mm. kind of Mm -hmm. a close circle of other founder friends that i would get advice from but um even even with them and i share a lot with them but like and there's always like good feedback and, and whatnot but it's been pretty eye-opening for me just working directly one-on-one with a coach. Um mm-hmm. it's it's really a much deeper more more sustained uh relationship with advice and feedback because it's like someone who's like not in my business every single day but much deeper into the business than friends who have a little bit more of a surface level understanding of things, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's the value of having a coach and um, There's like the, you know, holding yourself accountable to the promises you make to yourself. And so, you know, the coach helps with that. Masterminds are great. I've done those too. And there's kind of an f- aspect of that in what I do today, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little yeah. bit more detail. I want
0: to, I want to ask about it. I was l- looking at the website at brightgrowth.com. And, mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll get into that. I want to, like, I know that you, you've structured, you have kind of an interesting structure on that let's go back i mean so with learn dash uh, we don't have to kind of like rehash the whole story of that but um i mean at this point today how do you sort of like look back on your time you know starting growing and we'll we'll get into the exit but like maybe the the years of like actually building that business what how, how do you look back on that these days what were like the big highlights for you
1: <clears throat> well i think the first big highlight was that transition to it from my full-time job the my story of learn dash so I was doing it for 8 years roughly mm-hmm. and there was a lot of changes in kind of what learn dash meant to me or what it was in my life during that time prior to learn dash I was a consultant in the e-learning space so kind of the similar industry and I was on the road every week Monday through Thursday Monday through Friday in hotel rooms with clients mm-hmm. and I loved the industry but I hated that part of it, not controlling my time, being told where to go and, and being in airports and airport delays and so on and so forth. Hmm. I'd always had this entrepreneurial mindset and dabbled in different things and had plenty of failures beforehand. And I was, I remember very vividly I was in a conversation at a client site about a learning management system. And we were talking about which one we would use for their big corporation. And, the concept of open-source LMS came up. And at the time, and still today, Moodle is one of the more well-known open-source learning management systems. But I had a hobby with WordPress, just on the side, doing businesses here or there. And I was like, man, that'd be really cool if WordPress had an LMS. And they didn't. I went and I remember I looked it up in the hotel room that night. There was nothing there. Hmm. And so I started blogging about that concept. This was March, 2012. Started blogging about the okay. concept. Yeah, of, I was going to uh,
0: ask 2012 because like now there are definitely a whole bunch of <laughs> options out there yeah. for, for
1: courses. And I stuff. know. Um, well, it's funny like because I just Googled that, right? WordPress LMS and nothing. And so that huh. to me, I was like, okay, there's my keyword I'm going to target because nobody else is calling it that. And uh, yeah, I blogged. I put a little sign up at the top of the page, you know, like find out when it's released. I didn't know if I was going to release it. Mm. And I just started blogging about e-learning and sometimes WordPress and e-learning and just things I liked. And a few months later, I decided to have it built after a few thousand people signed up for this email list. Hmm. And so, found an agency because I don't know how to code; I'm not technical in any way. And found an agency to build it. They built version 1.0. And January 2013, I launched the product, probably in, like the worst possible way. I think I, I launched it at midnight, <laughs> which is <always laughs> so stupid when I think back on it. But yeah, I launched it and. Four months after that, I left my career to focus on it full-time. Oh, wow,
0: that fast. Just it, w- did, it, yeah. did it grow that fast, or did you like, have some like, runway to, to go out on your own and, and get it to profit?
1: It was just growing that fast. So I, in, the, in between time, I found a developer, a contract developer, to be the person that worked on the code after the agency. And I reinvested every dollar back into fixing the bugs and fixing the issues. Mm-hmm. And then I would just focus on promotion and support because I could do that. And it was, you know, there was a there was a little bit of a bump obviously at the release. It wasn't a huge release. I made a good chunk of money, which I thought was good. I mean, I don't even remember what it was now. Maybe it was like eight to ten thousand bucks or something. Um, right off the launch. And then it kind of like the the Life cycle of a market usually is you release something and then there's like this delay effect where you get a bunch of adoption. And then there's this pullback as the market decides, is this worth it? And then if it is, they start telling people and start blogging about it or whatever, it starts to pick up again. So that's what happened mm-hmm. in January. kind of had this hit and in February it was shaky. I didn't know where it was going, but I was like, okay, at the very least, you know, I made my money, my money back at this point, And this maybe is nice side income. And then. In March, late February and in March, it really picked up. Do you remember making, like, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was I just gonna say that. I was making more than my, what I was making my day job for far less effort. Wow, amazing. I mean, you know, for folks listening to this,
0: I'd imagine what some people are hearing is, you know, right idea at, at a really good time before LMSs were a thing in, in the WordPress space and then yeah. sort of like launching it and instant growth. I mean there there must have been some tactical things that that really made a difference because you know obviously just like putting a website live doesn't mean it's going to grow like were Mm -hmm. there were there key partners or or places where you were able to like publicize it initially to get that initial bump of of
1: traction like right out of the gate yeah i mean it was never maybe one big thing i probably did several things intentionally well and other things lucky. Uh, Timing, obviously, was one. What I did that people weren't doing before is I connected the dots between memberships because there were membership plugins. Mm -hmm. But like, why, why do you have a membership plugin to have a course? So I just connected that dot of, okay, you're actually selling courses and implemented more course features like tracking of your progress, quizzes within this membership site. So that I think resonated with, with folks. That wasn't like my intention. I think that worked. Prior to the launch, I did this strategy. I, I don't remember where I read it from. It wasn't my own, but I had this email list. And so I email, emailed everybody and said, hey, I'm going to be releasing this soon. I'm going to give away X number of free copies. I forget how many. And if you write or post on Twitter or write a blog post or something about Learn Dash and what's coming. And so... I think there were like 50 people that did that. I mean, not it was a decent amount, not a lot compared to the list because I probably was like 2,500 people on the list at the uh-huh. time. So were you and, like,
0: like regularly blogging and like you had a bit of a yeah, audience at that time?
1: I, I, I blogged at least three times a week, sometimes four. And then when I went on my own, I blogged every day for at least two years. And that was the main driver. And by the time I exited, the, the website got over a million visitors a month, many of which through the blog. Yeah. So the blog was the main workhorse. Uh, anyway, so I did this little contest. People submitted, hey, I wrote this, I wrote that. And I gave away the winners with some randomizer. But what I did after is I emailed the people that didn't win and said like, hey, thanks so much. I'm going to give you this super discounted price. This thing was like 29 bucks. 29 bucks as a thank you for the next 48 hours. And like every one of them bought it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like 40 some odd people at 29 bucks. So that was a good little like push initially. Plus I had all these blog posts and stuff talking about Learn Dash. WordPress LMS. I mean, blogging and search engine results and stuff were a different place in 2012, yeah, 2013. I bet. Yeah. So that really helped at the time. Amazing. And then from there, I was just relentless on improving the product and talking about my value proposition. Like there were other competitors who kind of caught wind of this that had way more money than me. Like at the time it was Woo themes, which is acquired by automatic, became WooCommerce. They had a competing product and they, It was very polished. Mm. Mine was a little bit rudimentary as I was getting going. But I was like, look, I don't have to beat them on all the product line. I just have to beat this one product. Yeah. My motto at the time was I wanted to be their Wendy's uh, to their McDonald's. Because hmm. in the 80s, Wendy's strategy was always to open a location across the street from McDonald's. So like anywhere they were mentioned on any blog post, I was always in the comments. I was writing the authors asking to update the article to include LearnDash. Yeah, learn yeah let um, really get in the
0: conversation or in the mix in, in that like category of, of products. <laughs> exactly. I like yeah. it. I mean, yeah. So like two things kind of stick out to me there. One is, you know, going back, to, you mentioned this a few times, literally just using the term LMS. Um, And I I could totally see, I sort of remember this, this era, uh, uh, probably still today, there's some truth to this where it's like, especially in the WordPress space where, okay, they, uh, there's a lot of people thinking that they're building a member, a quote unquote membership tool or like a forms tool or, Mm -hmm. or something like that, but they're not actually mapping it to the terminology and the job to be done that the customer is thinking about. Like customers are not thinking about like, pages from access of login they're they're thinking about like delivering a course to my clients or delivering a course to my students you know exactly um so yeah like really speaking that that language and that just you know you're you're in that space you're you're in that market you you know how those customers think and and speak you know
1: exactly yeah and the the whole wordpress lms piece i remember looking at the time there was like 200 searches a month maybe for that term when i was targeting it and that Literally, I know that I was going to create this huge segment because then everybody started calling it a WordPress LMS. And now it's, as you mentioned, I mean, there's countless options and then SaaS options. And I mean, you can yeah. you just throw a stone and you're going to hit some kind of software that allows you to create and sell courses.
0: How did, so how did pricing work? Because I, I know also during that period, probably across most WordPress products, there was like this big transition from the traditional wordpress plugin pricing to more of like a Sassify approach to to wordpress products did did learn go through that same yeah. evolution yeah
1: definitely in the beginning it was just you bought it once there's no renewals or anything and that sounds crazy today but that's just what it was at the yeah. time for wordpress it was actually woo themes that changed that for everybody they started implementing a renewal mm-hmm. and then you would get like a discount on the renewal i mean it was very Very soft the way that they did it. But in the beginning, yeah, it was buy it once and you had it forever. And what's interesting about that is when I sold the business and I was doing my management presentations and I did a lot of them, everybody wanted me to quantify the loss of future revenue based on those time purchases, which was nothing. And I just, I explained that Mm -hmm. because it was only the first year, maybe year and a half, maybe two years max where that was happening and it was still at like a lifestyle business stage for me at that point um, but people yeah, people care investors care obviously sure. if, yeah if there's going to be loss of future revenue with that
0: hmm. um how about like the the team how did that grow over mm-hmm. over the years that you were running it
1: yeah so the team was you, contractors you were a sole founder time. on it yeah yep. so the team was contractors it was me finding contractors i did support because i was I could do that. I knew WordPress. I was savvy enough to kind of figure things out. If it was too technical, I sent it to the dev that I contracted. And that was the case for a while. I mean, the first year of Dash did about 200K. And I was, I mean, it might as well have been 200 million in my mind. That was like amazing. I didn't have to work at that other job. I was at home. I wasn't working as much. And support was reasonable. I mean, it was just me and, you know, like a contractor for handling it. Nice. As time went on, every, it started catching wind, being adopted by some influencers at the time in like the internet marketing space. And people wanted to know, what's your tech stack? And so LearnDash was there. And so it got more popular needed more help. Uh, by the time I exited, it was roughly 40 employees. So and the you were all, all remote through that time? Everybody was remote, yeah. And by that time, we had a mix of contractors and, and full-time employees and all over the world, mostly in the U.S., but you know, North America in general, Central America, South America, Asia, Europe. Um, we were all over the place.
0: Amazing. Um, I mean, I want to get into like the the exit and the transition and everything, but like, how about like the later stage of that business? Like, what were some of the biggest challenges? Maybe overall in the business, but but yeah, like like obviously it, it was a great business. It, it was profitable. It was growing. Um, mm-hmm. in a great market at with with great product market fit and great timing, what were the biggest challenges for you looking back on that, on that period?
1: Well, in WordPress in general, support is always the biggest challenge. Anybody, my friends or network or people I coach that are in the space, like support is more of an investment and cost and more thinking around it than a SaaS traditionally, because there's so many factors you can't control. Uh, Everybody's self-hosting their site with different plugins. The, the anger some people would experience when something wouldn't go right. I mean, it was just a constant, that, that wore me out, I think, more than I thought. Eventually, I got out of support, obviously, and thankfully, and had people way better than me managing it and had a team there. Uh, but that was always a challenge. But the other part, from a marketing business standpoint, was all these SaaS platforms getting in the space. You know, at the time, Teachable, Teachable came around right around the same time as LearnDash, In fact, at one point, Teachable did a huge marketing campaign targeting LearnDash users. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was called Kajab, or not Kajab, it was called, Kajabi's great. I like that tool. It was Fedora at the time. And these SaaS platforms saw the opportunity and they had a good system, right? And they kept things basic, where I always tried to go more advanced in in the features because that's what I was used to. You know, quizzing is more than multiple choice. You have to have all these different kinds of quiz questions. And... It was we were kind of starting to lag behind in 2018 in terms of the market. There were SaaS platforms people were going to, other WordPress plugins now that had jumped in, which their advantage is they could see what was working and then make it a little bit better or like modify how they presented it because the template was there for them. So in 2019, did a huge version 3.0 rewrite. It took forever. It was a huge challenge. And what I did is I actually brought in one of the more well known firms in WordPress to help with this project. So I hired them um, and then we had our own team and then I hired a design firm. So I had three, I guess, parties working on this. Mm -hmm. And that was a a big challenge because I think people were starting to see LearnDash as stale. But after that release, it just catapulted the product. I mean, Hmm. the sales went up 22% and stayed up after like nothing else changed. (laughs) It was just, just the product changed.
0: It was like literally like, like after that big effort on the product, like, like the the product was just like that much better, easier to use, more fe- like more important features and, and the customers yeah. just kind of like used it and then talked about it. Is that what really grew like It, it really, yeah,
1: it was. And like the hype machine I created behind it. And it was cool, it, it, we had this joke, it was like, all right, let's start the clock and see how many people start copying us. And that eventually happens because to compete on features is always gonna be a temporary win. Everybody mm-hmm. can create you know the same features. Hmm. So you got to find other ways to, to position yourself. And we always positioned ourselves as, hey, like I came from e-learning. I understand online learning. These, these folks are just developers. They're not from the space. We have more intent uh, with what we're doing and the features that we add. Uh, and I think that resonated with folks that were serious about their online courses. Yeah, very cool. Hey, real quick. This podcast is sponsored by
0: Instrumental Products. That's my product studio, where I and my small crew, we take new product ideas from concept to launched. I'm a full-stack product designer and developer, and I love collaborating with fellow founders, creators, and SaaS companies to bring that spark of energy into new product ideas. Think of instrumental products as your shortcut to shipping that next idea and getting it into the hands of your customers as efficiently as possible. Got something to ship? Let's talk. Visit instrumentalproducts.com to learn more. So how did the exit start, you know, the idea of selling the business, how did, like, where did the, the, the initial like start of that happen? Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, LearnDash probably like most other big well-known WordPress companies are getting offers all the time and, and outreach and that sort of stuff. But yeah, like, like for you, like when was the first moment of like, I actually, I might start to look into this or consider this as an option.
1: I started seriously fielding inquiries, like having some conversations in 2019, but nothing really, I still felt like I had more in me. It was off the heels of the big release. So I was kind of energized, uh, but I was getting worn out and I knew that it wouldn't last forever. I've been fortunate in my career, whether it's luck, maybe some gut intuition to to have a good sense of timing. And when, when COVID hit and the pandemic came about, it changed the business. Everybody was at home creating online courses. Mm-hmm. So I think in two months I hired 15 people. Wow. I was, I was worn out. I'm um, every, like, everybody was busting their butts that were on the team. I'm um, working harder later. I'm um, supporting people. Cause we just had this huge influx. I mean, that went on and on and on for a couple of years. Wow. And so. During that time, and this was in 2020, I somebody just kind of said like, hey, if you want me to make an introduction to some investment banking firm, I know the, the owner of it, I'll make the introduction to you. And I was like, all right. So I had the meeting with them. I kind of at a high level shared financials, kind of where things were at. And he was like, wow, like you could do really well if you want to exit contemplating where things were at the market. There was a lot of uncertainty around COVID. I felt like you know, now's the time to, do, I mean, it's still growing and it's, it's exploding. So I might as well try doing it now. Mm. That process started October, 2020 and sold September, 2021. So it's almost a year and I learned a lot. It was, I, I wouldn't want to do it again, but I, I know a lot more about how that goes from a very formal process of investment bankers and putting out LOIs and doing like four-hour management presentations and just like that whole game. (laughs) That's, uh, it's, uh, it's something else, but uh, yeah, sold September, 2021. I was on contract for like a year Uh, for four months. I had to be like very involved. And then I was kind of like on call uh, for a little bit.
0: Okay. Yeah. Very cool. I I also sold in 2021 Antops and a couple other smaller projects Mm -hmm. as well. And, And yeah, like that time... I mean I'm sure it was a much crazier trajectory for you and and much larger deal of course and everything but like the I also felt like I like looking back on that like the decision to sell that year I think was good like it, yeah and it was <laughs> and it was one of the like like there was just like an, an, an overall sellers market I think going it was. on um and and for me it was also like I was holding that business for a few years thinking like I'm happy to hold it, but I'm, but I think I'll exit it at some point. It's just a question of when, and that year just seemed to kind of click.
1: It it really was. And I think it was like, it was a seller's market, but like these, if, if folks had the money, uh, they were trying to snap up what they could. I mean, there was yeah. like, I say this not in a negative way, because I think this term gets seen as negative, but there was like greed all around, right? Like there was people that were, and people were making money left both sides of the aisle. So yep. like it was a hot, Time to sell and to invest and to you know grow. Four months had sell September. If it had been in like January 2022, I wouldn't have gotten as much money for the business. 100. Yeah. It's just timing. <laughs> I don't yep. know. I got it's lucky sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And it is a whole tricky process uh, going through it, and I mean emotionally and 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 all that. I mean, aside, like I know that like just the whole process of like actually selling and going through due diligence and and get into clothes and then probably even afterward like that that's all consuming in itself right yeah i'm curious to know like did it, were you even thinking about what your next chapter would i'm talking about like before you sell or like you know like the sale is in the process of happening maybe it's not a done deal yet but you have to start to consider or you don't have to but like you're are are you thinking at all about like all right if i sell then what what am i going to do with my life and my career afterward or or was it more like let's just get this done and then take take a break and I'll figure it out later
1: mm, it's probably more what you were initially said i think it's human nature to be like oh what am i going to do next and i you know like i didn't have experience with that so as we'll get to like i think i made some errors in in that, by moving too quick and not really understanding what it is I wanted to do, I dabbled with some things, podcasting, which you're exceptional at. But I dabbled in that, and I, I found like ah, you know maybe that's not for me, or I just wasn't passionate. And so therefore, you mean like like do,
0: like hosting a podcast?
1: Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, you know, how many more? Like, there's plenty of podcasts on the themes that I was talking about. So then people do it better. So I was like, I don't know if I'm adding any value. Mm-hmm. Um It was. It was a lot of self-discovery. I actually was thinking about e-learning space still, but but then I'm not allowed to because yeah, of the non-compete. Yep. So, so that yeah. was like, I was like, oh, dang, I can't do that. <laughs> and then you you read all the time about people that have exits and suddenly they become investors and they're like working with other startups and they're creating incubators and all this stuff. And I think on the surface, that sounds pretty cool. But I, I just, I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that. But the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, like, it doesn't really get me excited. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. I don't know why that is like the you know, the blessed path that it seems like everybody says you have to do. Maybe I felt like I should do it because that's what people do after they sell. Mm-hmm. But I you know, that's not exciting. You were more interested
0: in building something new, making something.
1: At the time, yeah, I was like maybe making something new. Um, I thought software, and that's what led me to Gap Scout, which mm-hmm. was an AI tool I was creating based on a process I did manually with Learn Dash. So Gap Scout in a sentence. It would look at your software and compare all the reviews that are out there on like every site review site or the major ones and give you using AI the themes of where you're doing well, what's you're not doing well, what's the overall sentiment, where are the gaps in the market, hence the name. Um, and then also your competitors and comparing your reviews to your competitors reviews and doing like a big data analysis with like all these comments and, and um, timing of the comments and all that stuff. It was really cool. It was a struggle. I, 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 I want to get what into I, that. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy to. <laughs> I learned a lot. <laughs> I mean, so
0: first of all, I when you I remember when you initially announced Gap Scout as like this new idea, kind of like your next thing, and I was I was pretty excited about it because at, at the time I was also pretty heavily into market research and customer research with mm-hmm. with my SaaS. I was like that this tool is tackling a lot of the processes that I am actually doing. So this is super interesting and I felt like you were onto something. Um, yeah. I, I was also, that that's also where I started to follow you a bit more. Cause you, you started to embrace the whole build in public thing, which I, mm-hmm. I love that whole approach. I'm yeah. um, yeah. always, always interested to see what, uh, especially folks like you, like, you know, kind of hacking away on, on some early, early stage ideas. Um, what I'm curious to know, like, aside from the prop, like gap scout itself, like th- the decision to even do a SAS, like. Were you, were you in some sort of like decision mode where you were like, okay, of all the product types out there or business types out there, I think I want to do software again and let's go mm-hmm. after SaaS. And like, what was your process of like coming to that idea?
1: I think so at that time I was coming off of the obligation for selling LearnDash and maybe I was feeling like this intrinsic pressure to like do something. Um, I think there's this unsettledness and not having a definition of like what you do in people. So I was thinking, and I was certainly experiencing it. So I was thinking like, what, what can I do? Well, what am I good at? Well, software. And I just kind of defaulted, I think, to what was easy. I was like, yeah, software. I'm good at that. I enjoy building brands. Like I enjoy marketing and positioning. Like that's, that's my joy out of software. It's not, the tech, um, I chose a SaaS because I knew the headaches of supporting WordPress. And I was like, I don't want to do that anymore or mm-hmm. be involved with that. Obviously, the grass isn't always greener, as I learned. But the, you know, that was kind of like the high level thinking. You know, I was like, all right, I'm just going to spin up a website. I'm going to start blogging, getting content. Really got a machine going. Same process I did for LearnDash. I mean, even to this day, there's thousands of people on the email list for GapScout. And unfortunately, nothing's going to come of it but that was my that was the part i enjoyed i kept running into roadblocks and hurdles with the tech mm. around ai um, that got like i had to get lawyers involved because a lot of these sites were changing their terms and conditions as like chat gpt and ai and all that became more prevalent yeah they that's the other thing real- the other interesting thing about gap scout is that you
0: you started working <laughs> on that idea like that was before chat gpt kind of hit the scene right like that was
1: like it was yeah you know yeah. so
0: you are not before ai of course but like before the this most recent wave of, of AI, you know?
1: Yeah, it was, I know it was, and then the AI piece came in or ChatGPT came in, open AI and that revolutionized and changed things and then admittedly pivoted a little because I was like, how can we incorporate some of this? Mm. And the way it was going to work, I had two AIs. I had open AI and then another one that was more related to sentiment analysis and that was being ported into the dashboard. Mm. And I had hired an agency to do this and they're great. It just was such a, I felt like the goalposts were constantly moving. Mm -hmm. And then I had chosen, this was just bad luck, chose one of those AIs that I was going to be using. They were bought out and then that new company shut it down. So Mm -hmm. I had to start rebuilding with a different option, which was a nightmare. And so as these things were happening though, like I was like, why? I kept saying, I was saying to my wife, I was like, "Why, why am I doing this? Like, I hate this. I hate this part of it. And I just wasn't listening to myself. The, I like the, the tech, like build, building it out. The tech, yeah. I was like, someone else should be worrying about this, not me. Um, I can speak the language, kind of, but like, I don't know. And it, the, you know what, Brian? The tipping point was for me. I received a letter from G Two, which is where some reviews are, and they're like, you can't do what you're gonna do. Mm. And if you do, we're gonna take you to court. So I contacted my legal personnel and i was just like hey can you review this and like can we have a conversation they did some digging they had some similar cases in the past go ahead so
0: just like like they they had issue with what like scraping their their stuff
1: yeah yeah i guess i mean it in so yeah to using their reviews that are super public public (laughs) on the internet like (laughs) yeah but the lawyers they're like man i know this sounds crazy But they have a case. Like you can't, if you look at their terms and conditions, it's like super draconian in the way they are. Like you, you technically cannot be a consultant and say, "Hey, client, I'm going to go to the site, I'm going to take these reviews, put it in Excel, analyze it myself, get some insights, and share it in a report that I create for you." Like all manual, no software, nothing. And and like private,
0: like not even like publishing their reviews somewhere
1: else. Exactly, private can't do it. They. Have grounds to take you to court. Now, will they in that case? No. That's what my lawyer was just like look, it's a judgment call on the risk, right? That there's like zero risk there. I mean, maybe 0.01%, but in your case, <laughs> you have a lot more risk because you're profiting from something that they've really tried to lock down. And what I've noticed is these sites, Captera, G2, et cetera, have ad- started adding AI clauses to their data. They're saying you cannot analyze or gain insights from our data using AI. Wow. Even though it's public, not gated by anything. Um and their their solution it's is you pay them a yearly license. I was going to say like well, that that's part of their product that they sell is is there. Exactly. Or, and yeah. if you think about it, you know, they have to create a moat. They have tons of investors and they don't want to see the world changing and their money value going down. Yeah. So And you're right about the risk thing. It's like, even,
0: even if like, obviously you could technically pull it off, or even if you're just a small agency and you have people manually, you know, um, analyzing their, their reviews, like technically that's easy to do Mm -hmm. and you could build a whole business on that, but it's the risk of, you know, and in all likelihood they, they would maybe not even ever like sue you over that. But if you were to ever sell this business, that almost makes it like unsellable. Right, yeah. because it's like there's this massive. The, the whole business, the, the underpinning of the whole thing, is built on this like yeah. <laughs> risky uh, proposition. You know.
1: Yeah, um, that was so. Br- it was so deflating and frustrating, like as you can imagine. And I tried to say like, okay, how could we pivot it? Like, just the, kind of how you were alluding to, like, what if we something internal and is more of like an agency? And we were like, I don't know, like less of a SaaS, but more some of our own tool. And even still, there was mm. risk there, and. At this point in my entrepreneurial career, like I don't need to be so risky. I don't want to be so risky, right. and I wasn't enjoying the process. I didn't suddenly my whole pricing structure would have to change because of the licensing fees I owe these businesses, and now these businesses can change their terms, increase the price, do whatever they want. Like I'm so dependent on them hmm. that I pulled the plug. Um, I had the software. Software works. We, I was weeks away from a launch, and I said no. Can't do it. Wow. And, I had
0: I had no idea like no. from a you know, someone kind of following you from afar. I had no idea you had all those like kind of technical uh, legal challenges
1: with it. But yeah. That was one thing I didn't put in public too much because I was course, like, I yeah, don't I don't know <laughs> legally if I want to yeah. put this out there. But I tried the the build in public thing was um It was a good, it was more, I'd never done it. So I'm glad that you found some of the things insightful or useful. I did create competitors from it. I had somebody who's just a solo dev release something before I did with a lot of the same value proposition I did. His his product was pretty crappy, but he got acquired. He actually got acquired by another firm. I think it was more of like an hire. You know, Mm -hmm. they just took his product, hired him as dev. And What um, I was curious about, like, because I, I really had no idea about all those
0: complications with it, but I, I was kind of curious about like what what your experience was with you know taking a new purely SaaS idea to market compared to operating in the WordPress space. Like were there other challenges with like um, this not being not benefiting from like the WordPress ecosystem?
1: Yeah, well, the WordPress ecosystem is just that—that's very supportive and interested in new products, you know, shiny new objects coming out. Had I been in the WordPress space, and I should mention that my product was going to work for WordPress. Mm-hmm. That was something unique I put in was that you could look at WordPress reviews on like the WordPress repository where plugins yeah. and stuff are. So I was still going to honor my roots and like really help those folks out in a way that you know I would have liked to have if I was still running LearnDash. But if I was in WordPress, I would have had this ecosystem. I obviously would have had the connections to maybe amplify the messaging, maybe take advantage of my previous success more directly um, in terms of the marketing and how I went about it. I was okay with not having that though. I wanted a new challenge at the time Mm -hmm. and SaaS seemed like the way to go. AI, you know, it was kind of right before the explosion of it, but I thought that was cool and obviously it's the future and we're kind of there now, but yeah, I think I could if totally I understand. Word, you, like
0: in your shoes, you're you're coming off this, you know, hugely like successful exit. Like it, you don't need this business to work, and you don't need this
1: business to be super hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: That does it for today's episode of Open Threads. What would you think? Let me know on Twitter or X. I'm at Cast Jam. And you can find the full videos for all episodes of Open Threads on the YouTube channel for this podcast. That's youtube.com slash Open One more thing. I'd really appreciate if you'd give this podcast a five-star review on iTunes. That helps a lot. Thanks for listening. I'll see you on the next one.